But here's my problem, what they don't understand. I can't take bullshit to G-Unit office. If it's right. bullshit, if it leads state college bullshit, in my hand bullshit, I walk it into the office bullshit, I got to hear them. You know what I mean? Like, yo, yeah. this is not- You got bullshit on your hands. Yeah, I got bullshit in my hand. And like, you brought us <laughs> this bullshit. We're always collaborating at all times with the universe. Okay, so I'll give you the rundown of the podcast. Collab or die. Mm-hmm. The, oh, collab or die. I like that. Yeah, the pro, the 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 motif for the the entirety of it is really just like uh, it's it's not just in the artist space; it's also in like the entrepreneurial space. Okay, that's what space I'm in. I like yeah. that. So it, it, that's the idea: is that uh, you know this is like an opportunity to explore collaboration in its like truest raw form, which is like always taking place. And so uh, it's kind of also sort of, I guess, sort of like a shout down against the mindset of like, if I don't do it all myself, it's Mm. not a real piece of art or whatever, as opposed to like the fact that like you're always influenced by things. So really collaboration is the most important part about growing in your artist journey because through doing it, you grow. Mm -hmm. Um, But so what the reason I wanted to have you on though is that we've known each other for years Years. and like you tag me and post on Facebook and I Mm. see like, I know like, a little bit about like your history, but I don't know your, I don't know it like well. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, I want to have you in because like you are, you've just always been a hustler. Like mm-hmm. you're always fucking grinding. So mm-hmm. I'm like, I want to know more about what it, like where, where your story kind of begins and like what got you to where you are now and like what the ambitions are moving forward. And just like, I mean, I know you've got stories. So yeah, like, I got a lot of stories. This is not like a 10-hour show, is it? Cause no, it, no, yeah. yeah <laughs> if it's we, 20, 10 hours, I could do it. Um, I mean, I came from Jamaica. I was born in Jamaica, a small island. We always had an entrepreneurial um, take on life. Um, we have farmland. We have uh, sugar cane. And you got to remember, back in Great Britain, um, they needed sugar for their tea. So the Caribbean was colonialized for sugar. So there's a lot of islands that had sugar plantations. Now, my family owns farmland down there. So I've always had the um, entrepreneurial spirit and the know-how and say, oh, wow, produce goes from that and the, the point A to point B, and then you get that green stuff. All right. You know, and I was always, I had the green stuff. Okay, cool. So I've always had that. And then when I came to America, um, I thought it was more like my mom wanted, my dad was a police officer in Jamaica. He was a lieutenant and he was also uh, in charge of the army and also um, the police force in Jamaica. So like, I've always had that, like, he had that silent kind of strength. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You have to say it to make you listen. <laughs> and I had no, trust me, I caused him no problems at all. And the unique thing about me, I've, I've always had the police um, escort me around the island because from what he told me, he arrested some really bad people and they would love to have vengeance by taking his only child. So, you know, kind of a unique um, growing up. And then my mom felt like I should come to America because that's what she was, you know, pursuing, uh, becoming a nurse. And um, if I wanted to learn about agriculture, hence why I'm here in State College, went to Penn State, the number one agricultural high school. I mean, well, it was a high school, then I got land grants, whatever. But um, college, so like, but the whole thing, when I first got to Penn State, um, one of my mentors said, you got a great voice. You ever thought oh, about- Oh, yeah, yeah, you got, yeah. It's real baritone. And he was like, you ever thought about radio? And I'm like, you got the radio voice. I'm like, nah, um, no. And he's like, come down, come down. 
And I was like, I know nothing about radio. Like, don't. Have, he said, I want you to do gospel. I said, that's a horrible idea. I don't know <laughs> any gospel choirs. I don't listen to gospel music. And he's like, just come down. I think you'll be all right. And then he just, and he said, this is what I need from you. You got to not go out drinking Friday, Saturdays. You got to wake up at 5 a.m. on Sundays, and you got to give me your whole semester. I said, why am I being punished like this? Yeah, yeah, what did I do? I thought you wanted to be friends. Is that what you said was happening here? But he said, I want to, tra I want to train you the way, he's like the Mr. Miyagi of t uh, training people in radio. So he wants you to be like disciplined. Yeah. So once I got that discipline and I was on NPR radio and I was doing a totally gospel show, now I'm on national public radio, syndicated out of Washington, D.C., and at a very young age here in State College, and then all of a sudden, I said, man, I want to go to that student station. He said, why would you want to waste all that talent? All, everything, all my training is going to go out the window because they were animals. They were. The students were just wild. And I was like, man, they're like they're having fun. And I just wanted to be a part of them. So I created this thing that was in Philly called a uh, Quiet Storm. It was an R&B show. So I had a lot of women that just was like all over me. They're like, oh, my God, you played Luther Vandross last week. Oh, my God, we always just sit around and listen to you and light up candles and all that. And then Rockview started started writing me and I started getting a lot of jail mail. I didn't even know they could listen. They Obviously they get headphones in Rockview prison and a lot of them are from Philly and they heard the quiet storm. So when I came with the rolling voice and the thunder and all that, it reminded them of the quiet storm in Philadelphia. Now that person passed away just like a month ago, but I, I thought it was a popular show here. So that's another show I would like to bring to the airwaves here. Like I know that that strong R&B show would do great in this market. You know what I mean? So, the thing, another thing about me, I'm a market stunner. Like the the, we had a 3.9 exclusive cum when my department had had charted. Other, um, you can't see your radio books in this market. It's expensive. It's like ten thousand just to see them and to subscribe to, um, the Arbitrons. But however, people came to me and said, you know, you're like the father of urban radio here in State College now. I'm like, why? Wow. He said, there's a lot of urban stations coming in because they saw your department charted. Now, I get no credit for this and nothing like that. They'll say, oh, it didn't happen. Were you but a student? I was a student when it happened. Yeah, that's yeah. why. <laughs> <laughs> but, I'm not um, a big fan of letting the students make them look bad. Yeah, they don't. They don't. They just take it from you and just give you nothing, really. But, um, yeah, but in uh, 2003, to speed this up, I was... I, I used to do a lot of um, redos of Hub Late Night, and, and, and um, there's a lot of failing events that I was a part of and made them successful. So one of them is Golden Key, another one is Hub Late Night. I used to work with John Harlow. And I, I mean, I had the most, I had fraternities coming to me and saying, we need to know every party you're going to do because we cannot compete. And I'm like, well, you know, y'all do all right. And, but the thing about it, my, Penn State gave me enough money to have, I had, it was free to all students. And right. I was already on radio. So I was able to call Bad Boy and Arister and all these labels and say, send me free stuff. I'm doing an industry party highlighting all your artists. Yeah, and that's like, so that side of the industry, like I want to talk about that a little bit. That that aspect of collaboration from them really comes from, they want to tap into the college market. They like want that's it badly. Where, that's yeah. like where the money is, Definitely. really, because those right. are the people that are going to go to the shows right. and can drink and can make the venue money and then raise the cost of their guarantees. Exactly. Like, yeah, there's a, there's a huge, like, college market that doesn't get tapped anywhere near as well as it could probably because of the infrastructure in place to be able to like handle mm. that like you have to really be in with current events and and not even just the current events but like 
the right staffing, the managers, the agents. Like if you don't know these people, mm. good luck just sending a cold email and trying to get them to come in. And, and quick story. I was in a CMJ in New York in College Music Journal. Penn State gave us about 1800 to go there. And we, you know, we got to go see underground hip hop, metal, what have you. But I ran into a universal rep and he said to me, he said, he said, no one would ever tell you this. We respect college DJs 10 times more than we um, do mainstream DJs. He said, because they are paid. They already got the money. Money, Money's already there. Yeah. But you guys, if you play our music, that means you really want to play or you're fucking with it. So that. Right. That's that kind of becomes like the real mover and shaker aspect. Yeah. The culture of what you're trying to do. So so walk me through that. Like you're doing that. And like you who who are you working with? You're with uh, Penn State Student Radio. We were just like a college radio station but, but no, no who were you working with that you were like reaching out to trying to get the free stuff oh um bad boy bad boy arista this was when biggie was like killing it and all that but the thing about my events it wasn't wasn't just all the free keychains and everything you can get i had end zone dancers because anything that sponsored our radio station and spent money with us i was able to call them so end zone dancers came down to do the mc battle or or host it I had Papa John send send like over a thousand pizzas in one night. I had a limo service driving me around and also the strippers around and all that. <laughs> all type of shit was going on. And um, Graham Spanier came out of his house, walked down to see what was his line. Because he people kept calling him like, oh, my God, this guy has like, there's a line around the damn, the hub. Yeah. For this guy. I don't know what he's doing. And um, I had uh, Bill Asbury, the vice president at the time, he said, thank you. Thank you. You did good. Yeah. Well, they need to know. Like, I, I think that we. So we got this new president coming in. Now yeah. Penn State. Some of them aren't in tune like me and you to the pulse of the what the students want to hear. That's really what it is. Yeah. When you that's don't what have, it is. Once you lose that pulse and you don't know anymore, that's what happens to artists. You can't be of service exactly. anymore. You yeah. Can. And that's a big part of the the reason why there's been a real cultural die off in the area because of a lot of. I mean, COVID obviously didn't help the most recent two years. Right. But that's not what hurt the community of like arts in this area. Mm-hmm. It's really kind of. There's no venue. There's no right. avenue to do a lot of this mm-hmm. stuff. Remember when Quick Rock used to have local segments on yeah. the radio station? They don't do that anymore. No, yeah. And um, Mike's video used to have a local segment CD, like John, John Cunningham, Sona. Yeah, The Rack. Yeah, and you could buy any of your – you can't. Where do you find them at now? Music Mart, I think, has. Like, uh, Music Mart, really? Yeah, they have like a few like local CDs, oh, but wow. also who's pressing CDs anymore. Like right. you can, but it's like most people are at the point where they don't have a fucking you, CD You did anymore. hear – did you hear that Eminem and Dave Chappelle separately released two new vinyl albums it's but that vinyl's made the comeback though my vinyl, oh, vinyl has made the comeback yeah, it's yeah like, okay. it surpassed cd sales i think oh, in the last God. couple of years just because of the this resurgence of mm-hmm. that older analog gear vinyl mm-hmm. pressings or it's like this feels if i'm gonna have to have a physical thing mm-hmm. what is a cd that gets scratched and scuffed versus this like vinyl which i'm gonna right. protect a little bit more, more. arduously yeah. and make sure that i have it in a place where it's like what happened to a boreal records that's not there anymore no, I don't think so. Damn. Well, we, that's what I'm saying. Like, there's nothing like this here. And so, like, your connections through doing that through radio, I feel like, also kind of bolster attention in this realm. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, so Tim actually, who is live searching, he has, uh, he's on the executive board for moving on. And so oh, they're, they're looking through and we trying need to, to talk, get. Kobe. <laughs> so they're trying to get like the people that they want to have in. You know, I, their first hey, pick. I'm putting it out here now. I'm trying to get Eminem. I talked to. This is how far I am with it. I met with the general manager of um, the Bryce Jordan Center, Al. 
uh, and um, Al had his assistant manager there. Now, through G-Unit, I do have a strong connection with Shady Records because even when I produced my one um, MMA, I, I did this MMA uh, uh, fight walkout song, and I did, but I had to use, he, he wanted to use um, Until I Collapse, and that was an M song. So, like, here's my thing with being under the umbrella of Dr. Dre, Eminem, and 50. If I ever do anything... They're not really gonna come after me because I'm a, I'm a, I'm a promoter. I'm I'm in the family. You know what I mean? Right. So, why would, so they, why why would you come yeah, after you're family? On your own toes. So it's like so I know I can get away with a lot more than other DJs can when I'm in the whole 50 Eminem realm and all that. Right. But I, there's a D12 dude I was talking to. He does conniving all of them, and um, he was like, we were talking about it. I said, number one, you always gotta sell that you have a hot idea in this market. Yeah, you always seriously, especially when you're young, they don't want to hear it, and, and then they're so embarrassed to hear it if it's if it wins. Right, they'd rather have it be a loss and you have egg on your face than to see you win and looking at them like, you know, where's fuck you pay me? Where's my money? You right, know what right, I mean? Right, right, yeah. And I've experienced. Oh yeah, that. they're not giving away money without a little bit of blood loss. It's <laughs> like that's that's the mo for sure, and that's part of what I'm saying. Like to me, if they realize that there's so much. I mean, not just the Penn State community, right? But mm -hmm. like the community of like overlap where, mm -hmm. like, you know, for example, like being able to get a limo company, you know, get Fullington in on mm -hmm. uh, Fullington Trailways in on stuff with like limos or, right. or, you know, like party buses or whatever. And, you know, there's so much capacity for so much better culture mm -hmm. and sort of like grassroots sort of coming together to make mm -hmm. this stuff work. But nobody wants to collaborate. Nobody wants to, they want to do it all on their own right. and get the credit. Right. And they don't realize like, that's not in the spirit of collaboration. Like collaboration isn't you getting together and throwing out all your ideas and your ideas right. have to be in there. Right. Collaboration is we get together yeah. and the best idea wins. Like mm -hmm. I, if my idea sucks, I don't want my idea in there over mm -hmm. somebody else's idea. Mm -hmm. I want the idea that's going to actually launch it mm -hmm. to where it needs to be. It doesn't care if it's a song or if it's an event or right, you know right. whatever it is. If you're planning and you're collaborating on something together, you really need to make sure that you're like not – not all of your ideas can be babies. They can't be your baby. Right. You got to be able to let stuff go oh, yeah, and be like, tough. I had this idea. It's great. This idea is actually a little bit better. Mm -hmm. It kind of plays off of mine a little bit, but it nuance fills it out a little mm -hmm. bit better. You know, you know, insert any scenario where that happens and mm -hmm. you can see that like, you can tell within the first few minutes of working with somebody, whether they're, they're there earnestly in that mm -hmm. collaborative spirit because right. they're, they're trying to see this thing succeed mm -hmm. or if they're just there to get their ideas across and express. My problem with State College, Pennsylvania, is that a lot of people know I fuck with 50, right? So they know, they know, like, I get a lot of rappers that I have had a lot of rappers and I didn't believe in their music. And here's my thing. In anything I do in my life, I have to believe in it in order to, to get the, even if it's acting or sales or whatever. If I don't believe in the product I'm selling, then why am I selling it? You yeah. know what I mean? And it's like, I can't get passionate behind something I don't. I don't have, I'm not passionate about it. And a lot of these rappers up here that wanted to fight me, someone wanted to shoot me, someone wanted to kill me, someone wanted to do whatever to me. And it's just like, I'm 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 sitting here like this. Like, number one, you're not gonna do nothing to me because number one, I'm from I'm from Philly, Philly. I'm not even from Philly. I'm from Philly. I'm like from the heart of where all you hear is all day. Like, that's the part of Philly I'm from. And those guys love that kind of stuff. They love it. They they're like professional, that's what they do. But here's the thing: I'm not coming all the way out here to Mumblefuck State College that has some, you know, some dude that's just like, 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 you know want to be gangster, whatever, and threaten me. You know what I mean? Like, I'll fuck you up. But here's my problem, what they don't understand. I can't take bullshit to G-Unit office. 
If it's right. bullshit, if it leaves fake calls bullshit, in my hand bullshit, I walk it into the office bullshit, I got to hear them. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. this is not- You got bullshit on your hands. Yeah, I got bullshit in my hand. And like, you brought us this <laughs> bullshit- yeah, and 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 and, and then but it, that's them. That's a better vetting process because before it even gets to them, they're getting it from somebody that, like you said, it's like in the family, somebody that they know, mm-hmm. somebody that they're like, okay, we already fuck with what this guy does. He's established title over here, mm-hmm. so like anything he moves forward, it's like kind of like an unspoken thing. Like they assume that you've gone through the gambit of being like. I've weeded out the things that yeah. are not good. I'm not trying to bring you garbage because garbage, yeah, right? I mean, your name's attached to it. Attached to I'm, it. I'm the same way, like. For photography, for example, like mm. the, the parallel and, and production aspects, like mm. when I do photos for people, if I do your senior photos or your graduation photos, mm. you don't, people are like, oh, can I get the raw file? I'm like, fuck, no, you can't get the raw file because mm-hmm. you can do anything you want with it. Mm-hmm. And then you're going to tell people I took this picture mm-hmm. and have no concept of like how to deal with this in post-production right. at all. And right. then people are going to think that that's the fucking work that I do. So right. like, when you don't understand, if, if you're a client and you don't understand that when you go to a photographer, you're like, that's bullshit. Like I only got like 10 photos out mm. of this shoot for, you know, mm. I paid X thousand dollars for it. It's like, yeah, but there were really like five or 600, 700 photos there mm. that are whittled down to make the best of the best. best of the you, best, what right. you got is right. 10 images that are worth $70 a piece mm. or whatever in terms mm. of like, if you're putting like monetary value to it or whatever. But like, you can't be handing people bullshit. bullshit. And the thing about it, it's, it's, it's no matter what, no matter even in the hood, even in the hood. Like if I'm fucking with my niggas in the hood, sorry, I'm gonna talk like I'm in Philly in the hood. If I fuck with my niggas in the hood and niggas is all around, we smoking weed, got some fat ass bitch, you know, bitches got you know ass out, half naked, all that shit. And one of them niggas do us wrong, he's forever. Yo, that's your nigga. You know what I mean? That's the dude you brought yeah. that fucked up the whole scene. So you become like. Did you, you watch uh, you Dave kinda, on Hulu? Dave Chappelle? No, Dave uh, uh, fucking Lil Dicky. Nah. He has a show on Hulu called Dave, and it's pretty funny. Like, the very first episode, they mm-hmm. he comes into the studio with, uh, I forget who's in the actual studio. They're, like, tracking right mm-hmm. then, and they're getting ready to go on a tour. And he's just trying to, like, eke his way in the room so yeah. he can maybe push the idea of maybe getting a feature, like, mm-hmm. giving him some money and having him come jump on one of his tracks right. or something. Uh, and he goes in, I think he comes in with like a tuna fish sandwich and it just stinks up the whole fucking Oh, yeah. Every, I mean, that's, that's to me, that, a, that yeah. encompasses it. It's that, like, it doesn't matter what you do. If like, if everybody looks at you like, who the fuck yeah. who brought this yeah, guy? Yeah, who like, brought this guy? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, you become that. Yeah, and you don't want to be that. It, no. And, then, and I love, like, I it, being in the studio, like, I love having people that aren't supposed to be there come in if they mm-hmm. are contributing or mm-hmm. like they're bringing something of value and not this, distracting from like right. the creative process. But yeah, you can't just, you can't just have some people in, you can't have everybody in. That's no, nah, you can't. You can have people that are. Here's what it is: people that are excited or enjoy being in this like culture or mm. in this room of people in the studio or on the set for this production. Mm. They like to be there for all the reasons that anybody would like to be there. It's, mm. it's fascinating. Like when you're watching like art take place and you're getting the behind the scenes. Like you're seeing it out of camera. You're right. watching it all take place right. in a way where it's very surreal. Mm-hmm. That's totally different than somebody who can go in and appreciate that from the person who can't just appreciate and observe mm, right. and they have to kind of like interject or like right. kind of step into it. And and that becomes a problem because you like, you end up in this situation where you kind of get punished by this person that's, mm. that's there oh, like, yeah. asking questions and like- a Karen or a negative Nancy, all that shit. Yeah. Or the dude who like, just like, he's just there with a friend and mm. he's trying to get, like if, if you hire a producer that mm. is like na- really well named and you bring him in and he's working with you in your studio, mm-hmm. 
doesn't happen often, but if it does happen mm -hmm. and your friend comes over who's got a mixtape and he mm -hmm. wants to kind of like shell it out, mm -hmm. it's like not the yeah, not place the for it. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I, I, like I respect everybody's hustle and their right. struggle to get to where they want to be, but like there's something to be said for sort of the bedside manner about how mm. you go about accomplishing it. And, yeah. and a lot of people don't have that. And that's like, you know, the different, when you meet a celebrity, like I'm probably not a punisher anymore, but I was definitely a punisher when I was young. I'm like, Oh shit, you're so-and-so from mm. this thing. Mm -hmm. You don't realize that like, yeah, they know that they know mm. who they are mm. and they're glad that you're excited. It's not like a backhanded mm. kind of a mm. situation there, but like they want to be able to just, enjoy their interactions right, and if right. you're making the interaction a totally awkward or something awkward, yeah, yeah, yeah it's like i gotta sit here and deal with this it's like, I, this is a pain in the ass i was the first penn state student from our college to go to bet oh really i was the first one because back then there was no stipend or nothing like that so like the college never had people that just wanted to go because you had to pay your whole way you had to pay for your rent and all that yeah i'll make it quick but what i'm saying is no, no, no i'm just making sure we're going time <laughs> I'm, what i'm saying is is that like um, go, going down there, and I, I met Wyclef. Wyclef was like, "Stop pointing at me! Don't do that! You just want an autograph, right? We're people too, all right." And I was like, "I felt so bad. I was like, he is a person. Why I make him feel like that?'" But he was just like, "For real, we are people. Just say, hey, Wyclef, how's your day? Yeah, don't, don't put the pen in my face." And then he's like, he's, right, 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 "Yeah, yeah." That's and like, I, and now and that's what he's used to. He's like, uh, you know, and he's like pre cell phone cameras, right? So then, then it becomes like a, here, let me get this selfie. Yeah, like, let me get this the selfie. camera's already loaded. Yeah, yeah, you're yeah. like, cool, hope you're not within three feet where my face is fucking blimped out and you yeah. got from, like this angle and then you're going to post it on Instagram. People are like, wow, he fell off. Like, what the fuck happened to him? <laughs> yeah, it's like, there, there's just, that. there's an etiquette to it, certainly. There is an etiquette to it. I mean, but I, I have no etiquette. I mean, I've seen little Kim, I pointed at her. She goes, I know I'm short. She had like big bodyguards around her. She's like, I'm short. I get it. Don't point at me. I've met Big Les from um, In Living Color. Got these big ass cannons and shit. She got a fat ass. I was like, God damn. She's like, I know. It's fat. Just stop gawking. Put your lip up. Right, I was yeah, like, yeah, you know, yeah. I'm just like, God. When I see like models on a different level, like there's, I remember someone told me my first trip to Miami, what I was going to experience. And someone told me, said, when you go to Miami, the first girl you see is going to be the baddest girl you ever saw in your life, right? Right behind it's going to be the baddest girl you ever saw in the fucking world. Then, but I was like, damn. And he, they were right. I was like, oh, it my. It just keeps going. It just keeps going. It's like, wow, wow. It's so you, so when you're doing the stuff with like uh, Bad Boy and G-Unit and you're like, you're getting him. In that was by myself without them, yeah. But when you're when you're getting into that, like, what does that collaborative process look like? from their end toward you? Like, what are they able to do that kind of like lifts your position in what you're trying to create and develop when it comes to events and, and productions like I that? I know. I, I have a very um, bad, I have a, I guess a flaw. I have a real bad flaw. And my flaw is it's hard for me to collaborate with other people because if I know how to produce it from the beginning to the end, I executive produce, if I know how to what the artwork is supposed to look like, if I write out the event for you and tell you exactly what I want and that's going to be a winner, and if I call all my G-Unit connections, and I and I try, I got girls in my life that are dying to be in my life, and I'm sitting there like, can you just sit there and look pretty at this point? And, and then they're like, yeah, I can do that. I can do that. But the studio stuff stresses me out, and I'm like... You know, and I got one girl that's my voiceover artist, and I'll write it out, and she'll read it, and you know, I ha and also another flaw I have, I write it before I get to the studio. So like, I, I just like Penn State, just like college, like you don't study for that big exam. You should've been studying like for a month, but you right, studied right, right. right the night before, and you're like, oh, please God, please at least get us a C, and you got a B minus, and you're just like. Whew. Right. <laughs> you but you have to, that's just it though. Like part of that process that 
that is collaboration because like you're getting these ideas from your what we what you think sells is a great idea mm. doesn't come from some divine gift it comes from your ability to observe and have maintain perspective whenever mm. you're doing these things mm-hmm. you can be like this is this thing that spa or mm. late night or the hub or Penn yeah. State are doing or the right multicultural now. music series that was a great thing for me to be a part of uh, I think the multicultural music series was my first time looking at how much these motherfuckers are actually making like Beyonce had a eight hundred thousand dollar price tag right next to her and then it said if you want her and Jay Z it's one point five you know one point almost almost two million it's like one point nine I don't know like million dollars and I'm like what the fuck and then in my mind I'm like we we made a left when we should have made a right because we should be getting that kind of money like the monies that they make like right right now I want to bring Eminem up he's probably gonna be like one point two million I swear to God just because he was on the Elvis Presley soundtrack, the King and I would um with um CeeLo Green. And he's also been on his uh Martha Mathers uh LP's 20 uh, year anniversary. That's happening, and that's, that's you know what I mean. Wild. I was at the beach as uh I think I was in middle school when that album came out. Yeah. And I think my sister bought me like a handful of records that were explicit right. that I could have. And uh I or I was on vacation with a friend who had the Marshall Mathers album. Oh shit! And he let me jam it while we were there on you know That's, Walkman style, mm, just like cruising around oh, the beach, yeah, jamming yeah. it, burning through double A batteries, trying to learn the words <laughs> to things. And uh, yeah, man, that's that's awesome. I totally, it's crazy to think that's been twenty years. Yeah, it's been it's been that long. And right now, he's dropping new music after new music after new music. So I wanted to drop a mixtape, and the mixtape was going to be sort of like um, I was going to call it the Saint uh, Christmas Day Massacre, uh, prequel to Death Proof, and uh, it's going to be called Red Rum. Some call it Murder. People tell me to stop having these long titles, but for a mixtape, that's a gangster mixtape. I want it to be bloody and scary. But um, that's my thing. I want to. Um, you're serious, and I, I know I'm serious. So that you know, you don't find too many serious people about their craft in this market. And if they, if you do, I don't want to insult a lot of people. But I'm just saying, like, I'm down here because I know how serious and I, how, I know how you bring it. I know you always had. You're funny as fuck. You've always had this goofy stuff. <laughs> You've always been goofy, but when it comes to actually your craft and this and your passion. Yeah, you got to take it seriously. You got to take it seriously. It's not just a, it's not like a craft in that, uh, like this is an idea I have and I got to get out. At some point it's about the expression, right? mm -hmm. And then sooner or later it kind of becomes about the the bigger picture of the whole Mm -hmm. thing. Like, Mm -hmm. okay, what is my legacy here going to be after I'm done with all this? Like, Mm -hmm. it doesn't matter. I mean, if you're completely serious and you're just nosing the books the whole time trying to do it, it's Mm -hmm. like, you miss out on a lot of life that way. Right. And, and and in doing that, you kind of hurt your opportunity to be able to be inspired for the next thing that you're trying to accomplish. And always be uh, coachable is one thing I've, I've learned in, in, yeah. in the business. You Definitely. Know what I mean? It's a big one. But here's my thing. Maybe I'm a forever th- student. So for me, like, I, it's all coaching to me. Mm. Like, like, that's what collaboration is to me. Like, mm. if you're, if I've never done something and I'm in a studio with somebody else and they do it a different way, I'm like, oh, it's I never thought of it like that. And, I right. mean, and at the technical level, it's like, okay, maybe this plug-in, maybe this piece of equipment mm-hmm. or gear or whatever, mm-hmm. all this is really helping, like, bring this all together. But at the end of the day, like, you still have to show up, like, authentically. You, oh, have, yeah, to, you yeah. have to be genuine when you show up, and, and you got to put in work. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, and that's the thing. Like, I was always around um, 50 and also G-Unit. The story is I was talking to someone named 
Angel Martinez, but I thought it was Angie Martinez. So when I was at the radio station, I had three artists that hit me up, and I'm like, oh, that's ironic that because Angie Martinez from Hot 97 just sent me an email. So then I went into it, and then I was like, fuck it. I kept contacting her, but it was a him, and I was like back and forth, back and forth. But then I actually called when I went to New York, and he's like, yo, it's Angel. I was like, he had a deep voice. I was like, <laughs> the fuck? I was like... Angel. He's like, yeah, man, we've been talking the whole time, man. I was like, yeah. And he was like, I'm a, um, he's I like, thought that L was an I, my bad. Angie. He, he, he was, he's an intern for Interscope, which it's was a pretty big out of map, <laughs> Angie. It was, it was, uh, it was, um, he was an intern for Interscope and he told me, he said, yo, I'm in, in, interning for Interscope. They're about to drop a new, uh, label. I didn't know what the label was going to be called. So I said, fuck it. I just knew I was always following M. If Eminem was in, um, New Jersey, I went to the anger management tour and I would always see 50. I would always see G unit. And after a while it was like, um, I got a call. He was like, we just launched a label. It's called G unit. I said, G unit. I was, and he's like, yeah, G unit records. And at that point, I didn't have the whole story behind anything. I was just like, oh, that's cute. You know, I thought it was all right, G unit. Right. But at the end of the day, I didn't I wasn't looking at it as like a, a gangster label. You know what I mean? But I had an artist I was already managing. His name was Wicked with DJ Kid Relly here in town. And DJ Kid Relly is like, he's my protege, but he's like the anti-me. Like, I'm not as tech savvy as he's hundred percent tech savvy. He can make me an app, do all this and backwards code and all that. I don't do all that. I do a keep it, you know, traditional. <laughs> you don't have to know how to do everything, man. You just gotta know how to do what you do as well as well. You do yeah. It. But as far as him being involved, we had and we even got Easy Moby to come with us for one meeting. Now, if you don't know who Easy Moby is, Easy Moby um helped uh, Alicia Key produce her album. Um, Damn. her first album. He also did Wu Tang, he did Tupac, he did Biggie's Ready to Die. Damn. Yeah. And he and and the thing is he's a resume right there. Yeah, I know. And he don't fuck with Puffy. And the one thing I reminded him of was Diddy. So the one thing he looked at me, he's like, he said to someone, he's like, this nigga remind me of Diddy. And I was like, first of all, I don't get on my artist's music and go, uh-huh, yeah, and all that shit. Because I don't yeah. do that shit. I'll do like an intro and I'll do, you know, I might say a couple things, but I don't I don't go hard like Diddy do. But I took it as a convent after a while. But the way, because the real story of Easy Mo B and Diddy was he took his name off of uh, Ready to Die. That was the, the Biggie's first album, his biggest album. He So Diddy takes his name off, gives him money, and act like Diddy was the one. Points yeah, the record. Yeah. And, yeah, man. That's And, and that's a, that era of doing that, it was, it's still kind of like that in certain sub-genres, I yeah. feel like, but a lot of people don't know. Like, if you don't get paid outright flat at, mm -hmm. for whatever it is you do for a record, mm -hmm. you or, or when you're deciding whether or not you're, what your involvement's going to be, usually you know before you go into it whether or not you're going to do points. Points, right. And that's if you really believe in the record, mm -hmm. you know, or it's going to go the distance, you're going to make your money back on the back end, mm -hmm. or you're taking it up front, or it's maybe like, it started later, people started to hybrid and take like, oh, I'll take a cut, mm -hmm. I'll take a lower percentage for a little bit up front because right. this is a gamble, mm -hmm. but- that's pretty crazy. I didn't know that. Yeah. Or they just do a three single deal on your ass and say yeah, that they yeah. get a piece of everything you do during right. concert. And some of those some of those slave ass contracts still exist today. Look at look at artists like um, TLC who say they're broke or Rihanna even coming out saying she was broke right. because her mismanagement of her money. 
and Beyonce had to mm-hmm. fire her, her father, and her father was doing this and that. Listen, families should stay family. Friends should stay friends. And professionals, should, you know what I mean? I work with professionals. I don't fuck. I try not to fuck with no novice. I don't need you fucking up my shit or, yeah. or, or doing it. I like fucking with novice only when I need like something new. Like if I need like if I I'll bring a There's novice a catalyst there. Yeah, if somebody's inspiring. Inspiring me something. something. Yeah, I'll bring a novice in. Like yo, what do you think about this idea? And I, they'll make it fresh or do something with it. I'm cool with that. But for the most part, you know, in state calls, they take a lot of things like for jokes, and my shit don't come with jokes. I've been in New York and seen, you know, all these motherfuckers had guns and shit was about to pop off and shit like that. A lot of people don't know that. Like 50 Cent would always say, like the industry is like WWE. It's a little bit of acting. Yeah, yeah, yeah it sure. is. But niggas is shooting, people getting shot in the yeah, ass. They, yeah, that's not like, fake. <laughs> that those bullets are not fake. They're not prop bullets. Right. You know what I mean? So some of that shit is real. Like look at um. I my first uh, gun related like run in that I ever had in my life. <laughs> oh, actually, tell me this. It happened here in State College of all fucking places, and I had no like there were some dudes that were drump, dumping their drinks off of their balcony on. <laughs> Beaver Canyon yeah. onto some girls below and we called them out and these guys kind of rallied behind us. They're like, let's go get them. That's apartment 611. Right. We go in, we get in the elevator. We're all in the elevator going up there ready to just fucking cause a scene. Yeah. Not beat anybody up, right? Just fucking cause a scene. And, and in the elevator, I'm like standing in front of the door, just like, all right, here we go. It's happening. And yeah. behind me, I start hearing guns rack. And I was like, <laughs> look back. I was like, Okay, and then as soon as we ducked out, I was like, "Yeah, where, which room is it?" And then we like ran down the hallway, ran down the steps. I was like, "Fuck that!" That's oh, a yeah. totally different evening than I'm yeah, trying to have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was on the side of the people that were, I guess, brandishing it. So who the fuck knows? What, yeah, that I could- don't know what charges you get coughed with that, but I don't want them for sure. I know that much. But yeah, man, like I, I feel like that that uh, it's hard to go when it's really kind of entwined in the culture too. Mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. when it's in the lyrics and it's in the music and it's in like sort of especially uh, you look at like Hobson and it's and like overkill like that, almost. It's almost always in your face. Well, it's almost like a shtick. Not that not. But that's what the women want. They don't want fucking sounding nice, all fresh to death, Johnny. Some, they some want some women. Some women. <laughs> they want that gangster no beat my ass, motherfucker, selling crack cocaine, motherfucker. That's what they want. That's what I lose women to the losers oh man see i see in the rock world like i don't i don't deal with that at all in the rock world. oh i forgot you are well i'm turn you know what i'm going rock fuck it yeah i'm retiring my hip-hop shit on this show right fucking now i'm joining him in rock because y'all don't know how to treat me motherfuckers okay let's go (laughs) yeah i i just feel like it I, i was always really interested because you were always i remember like we it's been we've known each other probably since 2000 like Four, five, six, or somewhere around yeah. in there. Yeah, probably when Kid Rock came to State College. So me and you have always been around music scenes. Like it, it's almost to the point where our name buzzes to the point where people who are putting on shit call us about it. Like, or, or make sure they mention it. Like when Kanye West came, um, the 808 tour. The only reason I got into it is someone asked me to go into it. I think Wu Tang or somebody. They was just like, "We need niggas like you up here." I was like, "What?" They were like, "We need niggas like you." I was like, "Why?" It's like they don't know how to treat us. Like. We know when Garth Brooks and all these motherfuckers come into the Bryce Jordan Center, they pull out red carpet, champagne, all that shit for them. But when we come in town, it's like 
we don't know where to meet people and people don't want to take us to the mall and we don't know. I was like, for yeah, real? Yeah, you I, to the venue, yeah, you're basically stranded. Uh, yeah, stranded. I said, this is happening to you motherfuckers? They're like, yeah, it happens to us all the time, especially in state college. He's like, they leave us in our hotel or no one wants to come and like show us where the mall is or yeah. take us to go to get a cheesesteak. I'm like, what? When we first met, I was definitely delivering pizzas at one point. Uh-huh. And like that was like, because it was easy money and I could right. focus on my music while yeah, I was driving, yeah. make my money, go home. It wasn't really like work. And uh, I just remember, definitely, I did a bunch of runs to hotels where artists were there all the time. The, uh, Steve Aoki was like, mm-hmm. at, uh, st- my buddy Dylan was actually his tour manager. And then they would stay at like a Hilton Garden Inn or something right. like that. And yeah, some I'd, of them. I'd deliver pizza to them. They're like, yeah, like we had to like look around. We had no idea what's here. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it comes down to like bad, uh, like advancing on the, right. the, the, the tour management side of things. But like, I know my buddy Dylan's like a diehard and mm. that was not the case there. So if it's a lack of resources, yeah, they'll get, they'll, you'll get there and it's like, all right, you load in and then mm. you just wait around till you perform but and yeah. That's, yeah, that, that's boring to them. That's yeah, boring and, as and for bigger productions, like your loading could be the day before mm-hmm. or any of it. And if it is day of, and you're doing like a gambit and this is just like a one-off, mm-hmm. like university park gets, a lot of shows just because One off, they, they break off close. the radius clauses. Yeah. yeah, so like they're like, oh, we're outside of, you know, we're 120 miles or 90 miles outside of uh, Pittsburgh and outside of Philly and outside mm-hmm. of Cleveland. So mm-hmm. you can get these like kind of one offs, and a lot of people use them as like pre-production dates. They can mm-hmm. like they can go in and test the tour out before they right, start. The right. shirt, you know, the, the the venue name will be on the T-shirt mm-hmm. for the tour shirt. Yeah. But really, it's like it's there as like a safety mechanism. Right. To to, to kick test. off a new leg of a tour right. or whatever. Right. But, or or test new music that they just. Don't they want to test it here before they test it somewhere else? I mean, you got there's a lot of industry shit that happens here. I mean, Phil Jackson, his daughters went here. Flavor Flav uh, was always up here watching his nephews play. I know Tony Ayo from G Unit. Um, me and him was talking a couple times, and one time he brought up the Joe Paterno thing. He was like, "That's fucked up how they did Joe Paterno, my nigga." And I'm like, I look at Tony Yeo like, "God damn, this dude a gangster." He's telling me, and he's and I told him, "I said, you right." Values are values. Yeah, right? yeah like yeah, that yeah. permeates like all the social groups and the cliques. Like yeah. what your values are as a person and as a group of people. Mm-hmm. Transcends like the uh, the day to day bullshit, right? And so like when you like that's definitely. I mean, I work right now. Like I produce a lot of uh, like media around mm-hmm. Penn State football, and so I I learn a lot from like I'm doing the first NIL and endorsing NCAA mm-hmm. uh, run, um, not run, but um, sanctioned or allowed, right? Uh, blue and white player show, uh-huh. and so I have two athletes from the Penn State football. Pro- Are you program. wait wait wait? Are you all right? He, in fact, had nothing to do with what I said about Penn State football. Please do not fire him or let oh, him yeah, lose no, any no, jobs. No, I'm not, I'm not, uh, I'm not beholden okay. to them. Yeah, oh, okay. no, no. I, I, sure. I got out of that, that realm of things because <laughs> right. I, I feel like they're in a place where the media is going so fast and they're mm. not ready to keep up with that race. Right. That's why, like, the university is, like, suffering with their NIL right now, which mm. is going to affect recruiting over the next year or two. And, like, mm-hmm. they're starting to figure it out and put it together. But they're, you know – it, not to jump into that, but like, so as I'm doing a bunch of stuff for like centered around Penn State football, mm-hmm. you really do kind of see like there's this big gap in what they want versus what they know they need to do to be able to get to where they're trying to. Mm-hmm. And without like, and they don't, but they don't want to let any new blood, no young blood can be in there mixing things up for them because right. it's, it's like, it's like they don't want to relinquish the power. Mm-hmm. And so they're content to try to like fail, duct tape this and, thing and, together and, and keep it going. Yeah. And like, 
you that's got a shelf life. Like you can't do that forever. Mm-hmm. If you hurt the culture, mm-hmm. everything else goes. And, mm-hmm. and the proof of that is the Sandusky scandal. Like, oh yeah. I, yeah. I worked in the service industry and mm-hmm. I, you know, I was playing music pretty much full time. And I mean, it was like money dried up overnight because oh, overnight. people were coming here. People yeah. Were going to sh- they were buying no shows, more they were tickets. No more, not, no more jerseys were being bought. Yeah, no restaurants. Yo, I went to Philly with the fucking jersey on. I went in the barbershop. Niggas was like, yo, they were like, what you was doing when they was touching that little boy? You ain't do nothing about it. We taught you better than that nigga get the gun. I said, like, oh shit, they're getting guns. So I was like, niggas, not, I, I didn't even see no motherfucking kids in no motherfucking showers. Chill the fuck out. But all right, it's is, me. The narrative is already going, and so at it's that already point, going. Yeah, you're, you're just you're behind the eight ball. Behind the eight ball. I just moved to, I to uh, St. Louis whenever that had happened. I had to take my fucking Penn State shit off because I even go to Walmart. I had girlfriends that had fucking Penn State shirts on walking with me in Walmart. And people shaking their head. Oh my god! Yeah, so, I, I lived in St. Louis, and like right when that broke, it was like no holds barred. Like if you were there, it's like all oh, that whole town yeah. might as well have been child rapists. Right? So like you have no, there's no. It's just carte blanche. You're just you're just covered with yeah. whatever it is. And I just graduated uh, in 2008, mm-hmm. so for me, I was like, this sucks. Sucks. Like, is yeah. that gonna? Fuck my ability. And, but the, so the, on the back end of it, you think like, okay, there's this huge alumni base of Penn State mm. graduates and they are all over the world too. Yeah, they are. And so it and was kind of like, too. it was a pendulum effect. You're really yeah. kind of watching like the story breaks and it goes as far to the right as it mm-hmm. can to be an absolute shit show in terms of like information going out there until the reports start coming back and blah, blah, blah. There was a CEO who said, if anyone was involved in the riot, around the riot, or anything like that, or anything dealing with Joe Paterno, he actually said he was firing every Penn Stater he had on staff that were even tenured. This dude in Texas was going crazy with it. See, right. and that see, I didn't hear that, but like, yeah. I'm not, he, I'm not surprised. You know, right. like it was that was just the backlash that we got. And, yeah, and you know, you but so to what my point I was trying to make was is that yeah, like if you kill the culture, that's immediately the you know, the smoking gun and the, what's going to be the cause of why nothing else is going to grow beyond that. Well, now it's too extreme because now we have some kind of like moral committee here. There's a moral committee. There's a moral police. It's all, all types of shit. Please call this 1-800. And I get it because even when I was a uh, waiter at the Penn State, or I would always see you there doing some stuff. I don't know what you were doing. Maybe you were stealing some um, caviar. But anyway, I was. I would always see you there and, you know, and I would always wait on like the president and all that. And that's how, like, they all know me, especially customer service. I'm really customer service um, oriented. But at the same time, like, when we took that big hit financially, I mean, we would go to um, Ohio State and they would have pedof- um, pe- PSU, Pedophile State University shirts on. Oh, yeah, for sure. Talk- oh, yeah. yeah I mean, like, so, that's so, in your head as a player. You're like, what the fuck? So, yeah. And, and the thing is, is like that is that's in line with what they've always done. But mm-hmm. with this particular thing, it's like it's almost like the subject that should not be joked about right. in that regard right. and everybody was hurting yeah everybody was like, hurting i mean and we were the one they'd been always waiting to take down because like my student radio station told me the sports department came to me sad one day and i was like what's wrong who talked to y'all like crazy and they, and they were like some abc reporter told us on his on the, on on the field you arrogant penn staters so high up on your horse aren't you just well we weren't and and, and people thought we were just arrogant well a we lot were of people in the big 10, big well, 10. us getting into the big 10 yeah well they we, didn't want us in it in the first place right so like for us to be in it it was yeah there's definitely like something to trying to knock knock us down off we've always been public be. enemy number one of the big 10 oh yeah like people love to hate penn state 
Like they love it. Yeah, and, and it's so weird because I feel like everybody I know that has gone to Penn State or mm. comes from it or that I've met abroad or otherwise, mm. I mean, they're, they're all the nicest people. Nice people you meet, yeah. But yeah. I feel like that's that's everybody if you give them the chance to get to know them. Mm -hmm. But it's like when you want to – if you're going by what the media is saying and mm -hmm. what you're mm – -hmm. You know, being fed with this narrative or mm -hmm. that narrative, like mm -hmm. you're never going to get a clear picture, so you can't. Right, and my reputation takes a grind in this market because I think I have a bad reputation sometimes. But it's like I'm a good person, but I do have. I'm from Jamaica, like Jamaica, Jamaicans, Jamaicans and Italians have the same type of temper. <laughs> Everybody's yelling in the household. Everyone's just high blood pressure. Oh, I could kill you! I kill your father! Why didn't you have the abortion? You should just had the abortion. But see, you know what I mean, but that's the household of love. You know what I mean? That's just <laughs> yeah, <love>. yeah. <laughs> that's a loving. But that's what I'm from. Like Caribbean people are very. Uh, charismatic and also hot tempered and like I, I just feel and you know reggae is real big in Jamaica and you know reggae also spun helped start like a lot of sounds in punk and oh, yeah, also sure. Public Enemy and a lot of a lot of music was spawned from reggae and a lot of the beats that came out of reggae too and it's one thing I'm also one thing about G Unit and Eminem and all on Fifty Cent everyone's a, a student of the game KRS One when did hip hop start why did the turntables it was a Jamaican that came over from um, his name Cool Herc came from Jamaica with two turntables and came into New York and he's the one who's kind of credited credited as for doing scratching and scratches like that. That yeah that's like the back, that was back in the day when they were just beatboxing you know just just putting putting with their mouth like you know all that well yeah so you think like uh actually this this tracks uh I was watching a podcast recently. Rick Rubin was on it, mm -hmm. and he was talking about how when he went to NYU, he was going to this club that was a reggae club, like six nights a week. But one night a week, they would do this like hip hop. Yeah, and so he would like listen to the records, and the records would sound like R and B records with rapping over it. But the the ambience, like the atmosphere of the mm -hmm. song, yeah, was R and B and not what he was seeing that he loved mm -hmm. live mm -hmm. at the shows that he was watching. So he's like. You guys should sound more like this on your record, but mm. it, you know, I think I think he said he was talking to Cool Modi. Okay, and Cool Modi was like, "Well, we're signed to such and such. Like, mm. they're never going to let us do that." Mm -hmm. But you know, I got this guy who is my cousin. He's putting out a record. Like, why don't you work with him and try to do that? Mm. And then it's like you overnight sort of see the the shift in the tonal characteristics of what hip hop was versus what it became. You figure like in a place where there were probably less than a hundred at a time when there were less than maybe like a hundred hip hop songs in the world. Maybe, yeah. You know, and now like you're like, watching it shift over into this new stuff and right. you get, you know, Herc scratching like that. You're mm -hmm. like, oh, this is this, what is happening. Yeah. And then I think he mentioned that he got out of everything because he watched like the, the it became less about trying to push the boundaries and make mm -hmm. something new mm -hmm. and more about what can they do to re to recapture or redo what something that has already been done. That's what labels do. They're lazy. So they'll say they'll t they'll they'll say to Jay-Z, what do you have to sound like you? And they'll go to 50 Cent. What do you have that sounds like you? And they'll put out the same thing. Every year, I mean, and even I, I think it's what, a loan company. Like it, they're, it is. they're not there to help you create or push the envelope. They're not interested in the artistry. They're interested in the sales they can make off of the artistry. And if, right. If they and the short sightedness of it is, if you don't look at it like, okay, yeah, I did do this thing and this did work really well. Mm -hmm. If I do that again, 
yeah, people will like it, but it's going to feel like a continuation of the last thing and right. it's going to get fucking boring. boring. There's got to right. be something. There has to be some innovation. There has to be some shifting and changing. Right. And that's going to happen if we work with this producer or this producer and this producer. And mm-hmm. it's going to be slightly different, mm-hmm. but just trust me with it. But when you're looking at a that's label. That's why I like Outkast. Outkast uh, is a, a rap group that didn't give a fuck. You yeah, know, they came out with a Quim 9. came out what they did because of it. Exactly. And so like, and Black Eyed Peas, same right. way. Like, you, uh, yeah. you look at it like, if you're willing to throw caution to the wind and try something new, mm-hmm. you have the opportunity to find something that is really, truly great. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, if, you're, yeah. if you've got the right mindset going into it, you're not just going to throw shit out there that's not going to work. Right. You're going to try to integrate things that specifically enhance uh-huh. what you're trying to go for. And if you've seen like shows like movies like Steve Jobs and you watch a social network about um, Mark Zuckerberg, like you have to a little bit lean on lunacy and being brilliant at the same time because one thing, everything's crazy and everything's done. crazy yeah yeah that's true and um and and that's one thing 50 would he always says in like his books like sometimes you're the only one that believes in your your dream and idea and that's the hard part that's, that's the hard the, part that's the vice that's the yeah. squeeze of an artist is like when you're in a place where you're trying something and you're like uh, everybody wants to do something new and fresh mm-hmm. but obviously everybody can't mm-hmm. you can't all at the same time it, it just can't happen somebody mm-hmm collective conscious or otherwise people are going to be kind of stepping on some of the same territories mm-hmm. by trying new things mm-hmm. but it's like there if you look at the way things kind of cyclically come back into order for things and the way like you know grunge kind of made a comeback right. new metal was kind yeah. of made a comeback there for a little while like, you know what's crazy i just found this out i know it sometimes my brain is slow i was talking to this girl i'm, I'm rapping to in north carolina i don't know if we dating it i don't know what the fuck we doing it's one of those but listen situationship <laughs> situationship but um I, we was talking. What was a? Hold on, I'm losing it. I might have smoked before this. What did I say before that? I lost what, it. Do you remember what I said? Uh, a girl in North Carolina. Don't worry about it. All right. So then, <laughs> you're like, nope, that, I lost it. It's gone. <laughs> nah. What? But my point is, is um, what were we talking about before that though? You what can't was, ask me that. I have ADD, so I don't even have to smoke. I just lose things. My brain is just fucking. It's gone. <laughs> All right. We were talking about what hip-hop right yeah and knowing the whole history of oh, what? i said like new metal and grunge started to make a comeback yeah that's, and, and, that's and, where you picked up but 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 listen listen everything in hip-hop that has been oversaturated has hit hip-hop like you never seen it before when down south rap like uh, r.i.p to the takeoff from the migos he got shot in the head that's a very it's another that's thing that's about true. hip-hop is this gotta stop like the random you just you know, you're with your kid, you're getting shot in the head, you're getting shot in the mall. Like, this shit is getting, like, way too out of control. And, you know, the Migos is going through it right now. Like, you know what I mean? And, and, and of course, they did a lot of hits and all that. But it's a shame when you're just trying to put out music and now your music becomes a device to kill you. You know what I mean? It's like you almost get killed by your success. You know what I'm saying? The same thing with Kanye West's mom. Kanye West is not the person he is because he lost her to, what, liposuction. She went to California. She felt like she wanted to be as beautiful as the other Californian moms who were vegan and all that. But somehow, somehow, some way, this industry will kill you. It's almost like you got to find a thing that kills you. This industry does it sometimes successfully. If it's not you, it's a person. Maybe it's your soul. If it's not your soul, maybe it's your relationship with your parents. If it's or, not that, it can be the people you're around. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, that, that one is more common than anything. Like, uh, So our guitar player, Aaron, passed away uh, at the beginning of 2021. Mm-hmm. And completely unexpected um and you know he was just out with some friends doing mm. some of the wrong things and then that's it then i, I get the phone call the next morning you know oh, like wow. it's yeah like it, it so it really it, we're we are creatures of habit and we're also 
products of our environment. Mm-hmm. And so I think like, I remember when uh, Tupac and Biggie were both killed mm-hmm. as a kid, mm-hmm. the way that it was covered on the news and the way that there, I remember, I think it was like the VMAs where their mothers both came out. Oh together. yeah, that was big. That yeah, was big. They like, had to. But that was a moment, right? Where, and, and so constantly we're, we're struggling to try to capture this equilibrium. Right. And so the pendulum swings both ways. So it gets both extremes, whether you like it or not. Mm. And what we're wanting is for it to just slow down and kind of hover in the middle a little bit. And there was this moment after that, where it kind of felt like we maybe got, got back to that. But, you know, when we have people that are like, you know, Holocaust deniers and this, that, and the other thing, you get to a point where if the history is not known or not taught well enough, mm-hmm. we start to see these cyclical mistakes being made and these repeat occurrences happening that are like, this is all avoidable. Like, how do we not learn this lesson by now? Right. It's like, oh, we did, but over time, we've lost it. How long has it been since Biggie and Pac were both killed? Right, and it's so been it's a like, lot more rappers killed since. since. But like- that that one I look at as like a, a historically pinnacle moment yeah. in, in the culture of rap and hip hop in general. Mm-hmm. But when you look at it now, it's like R.I.P. to Nipsey Hustle. Oh man. Like Nipsey Hustle, fucking like you could go on and on. It's crazy. Jam Master J. And the thing about Jam Master J, this was this is one that really hit hard because they thought they even thought 50 had and 50 had nothing to do with it but jay was also instrumental in introducing 50 cent to the industry and the thing about uh jam master jay he had a studio in queens new york like he's showing the people like not only am i going to open a business i'm gonna open it right in the heart of where i'm from right right in front of the people who took care of me because now i'm gonna take care of you and then the people that he was actually looking out for so they say allegedly are the ones that got him killed the ones he used to send a hundred thousand you know he had one guy just 100,000 a year, another guy 100,000 a year, another girl 100,000 a year. This found me 100,000, 200,000 there. Well, until he said, I'm done. I'm done. You guys, I've done everything I could. Yeah. I've given you every, the, the last bit of money, you know what I mean, I can give you as without me losing. And yeah. he got set up mysteriously that night, mysteriously. Well, the thing is, is, I think everybody has this like, has this feeling that where you're from, you see more of the culture in your area than anywhere else, especially right. if you're in tune to it. And so mm-hmm. I would say that you probably suffer from it the same way that I do. And you're like, fuck, there's so much potential here. And it's mm-hmm. all just being squandered because we're not what? We're not Nashville. We're not LA. We're mm-hmm. not New York. Like mm-hmm. that doesn't mean it's not here. And, and thankfully- Internet has kind of become a little bit of an equilibrium where people it are kind of producing. It has. Stuff you don't really there. need a label anymore. You don't need a record label to break your music. I mean, it's For been sure. so many take artists. Out a loan. If you believe in it so much, um, take what's out his a name? Loan. What's his name? Um, Justin Bieber. You know, and, and, and who found him? Usher. Usher going through the internet, looking through YouTube, and sees Justin Bieber like this guy. This kid has it. You know, and yeah. And and it was like that quick quick for him, you know what I mean? So it's like getting co-signed by Usher and all these other things, and you got a lot. But of- hindsight being twenty twenty, look at the shit that he has to go through, being this child star growing up. And yeah, it's tough on child stars. I, I mean, for him, he's, it, his coming of age story is completely in the public eye. So it's like all the time, every fuck up, like everything he's ever done wrong is mm-hmm. like in this echelon Forever. of information where Forever. people are going to know it. Forever, and luckily, internet. And luckily, we're goldfish in a fucking pond. Like, we hear things, and then it's like, I can forget that the next thing. Maroon 5's under fire today because mm-hmm. uh, whatever he did, now mm-hmm. it's, you know, like, it can move and, and cycle through to the next thing, but the reality is, like, that's not how he's going to process it mm-hmm. as an individual and as a person. Right, right. I mean, it's 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 hard on, on child stars. A lot of them, even Michael Jackson, you could hear him saying that he always had a camera in his face since he was three or four. Yeah. 
and he never knew what it was to be a child. So right. at, at 45, he became a 45-year-old, four-year-old, I guess, or however you yeah, want to look yeah, at yeah. it. I but mean, that's a mentality. Like, you took away my whole childhood. And Joe used to beat him and all this other stuff. He, I mean, and the abuse that Michael went through and all that other stuff. But it's like he did leave himself open to parents saying, I'll drop my son off. You know, and then all of a sudden they come back with $23 million lawsuits. It's like, right, right, right. don't put yourself in that situation, so Michael. To, your, to what you were saying earlier, like, you know, if if in that case you decide to open up a studio in the middle of, you know, in the heart of Brooklyn and where you're from and that's what you're trying to set up. And mm -hmm. and then the, the, the basically the, the mouths you're feeding end up biting that mm -hmm. hand. It's like that's the thing you can't really ever account for, right? Because I think nobody does that just because they want to, like, raise a middle finger to everybody in their area. They're mm. trying to help. Mm -hmm. And so it's the people that are short-sighted enough to not be able to see that, mm -hmm. to not be able to really understand what's going on. And it's not, it's just ignorance. Like yeah. they just don't have that capacity to understand what's, what is attempted to be being built in that moment. I have a true story for you and it might make you laugh, might not. I go up to Mark Sapia. I said, Mark, uh, they call me. I'm doing a 50 Cent concert. Uh-huh. And I'm like, no, nah, 50 Cent. And he's like, Hey, you're smoking some shit. As he said, listen, Horace, I listened to a lot of your, your ideas in my bar, and you brought me a lot of great stuff. But now you're asking me, can you sell 50 cent tickets for 50 cent? What are you what are you trying to say? Are you on some shit? Are you coming in my shit high? And I'm like, no, there's an artist. His name is 50 Cent. He said, how big is he? I said, Elvis Presley big. He said, get the fuck out of here. No, literally, get the fuck out of here. And I'm like, no, Mark, like Frank Sinatra big. He said, I'm really close to kicking you out of my bar. And I'm just like, no, this rapper, he has in the club. It's been there 16 weeks. He just hit Rolling Stone. He's like the biggest shit right now. And I said, I got tickets from the Bryce Jordan Center to, to, uh, to, to give out to a couple bars and whatnot. And he's like, he's like, he's like, I still, he's, he couldn't grasp the concept. And my thing about talking to these business owners or people who just don't get it you have to sell something that is already being sold in other markets like crazy. Yeah, uh, there's nothing more frustrating. Yeah. We're in it, well, so it, if you look at the markets as they are, like, you know, you have New York's like a, I don't even know what. Number market. one, number two, usually in radio. Number yeah, one, it's number an A two. market. Number one, and then California, number two, then they fight between Right, them. and so like Pittsburgh and Philly, probably 10, B, seven. B markets, yeah. you know? Yeah. And then State College is like a C and a D yeah. market. Yeah, we were next to Ohio, no, we were like next to Alaska, three, number 300 and something, radio ranker, us. Right, and that's like, like that's like, that's, there's, there's obviously not to like wash it over and say that like it, it has to just be that way because we're not in these other places, but it's also, there's, there's a lot of factors that go into that. Yeah. But at the end of the day, it's like, Businesses, like strength of uh, how many population also. Just like America is the melting pot of a culture, of cultures all over the world. Mm -hmm. State College is really this melting pot of places all over the country, country and all over the world. world you yeah. know, so like we've got all of this different culture and capacity here, mm -hmm. but no infrastructure in place to be able to handle being able to like modulate and shift and turn a little bit to be mm -hmm. able to keep up and be current with things mm -hmm. without, I mean, it's a bunch of business owners that are just like clutching their pearls and don't want to like, they don't want to take the risk. Right. Cause they don't understand the risk. So I don't blame them. You know, money, right. money is not something to just be thrown away. I totally right. get it. But at the same time, if you're like you said, like if your hand's not on the pulse of things, mm. you need to be able to default and rely on somebody who can get you there. Right. Exactly. And you, and like, we don't have the, like, how are we doing on time? I saw you do something. We're at an hour. Oh, we're at an hour. Right. Okay. We'll, we'll start wrapping up. Um, all right, a couple of things. I just want to solidify this because in case 50 is listening, I ain't trying to get shot over your ass or you. So listen, 
the, here's the thing. I, I became a street king, um, street king rep for State College back in 2012. Lou Banger, his Lou Banger showed up to State College. He's a G Unit um, New York promoter. Sat me down. They interviewed me. They said the office wanted me to be a part of Street King. Now I've always been around G Unit my whole fucking life. It's just like people you always run into. Like it's almost like you watch that mem on Facebook and it says when two people, when when two friends bury the same bodies at the same spot and it's both like hey with Al, Al Pacino and they're yeah. like hey. <laughs> it's like that so like you know as far as them they just became family they like Thanksgiving I'll get a tweet on disfitty.com like ha- ha- you know happy Thanksgiving or happy birthday whatnot I went to the G unit office that day 50 came down with a helicopter now a helicopter you have to pay at least a million dollars for your helicopter uh, space in New York in Manhattan and so he came down you know we we met and I've met him here and just he's a great guy he's very healthy um definitely uh, if you see him a lot of stuff that he Eats and the products he sponsors usually is going to be like health oriented. Formula, um, he has a Formula 50 book, so you can get apps like 50 and everything like that. He was uh, getting trashed by the internet during that halftime performance. <laughs> he said I was he like, got- He's like he didn't look fat; he just looked stacked. Like if he cut, <laughs> if he cut weight, like if he was like water waiting and trying yeah. to look shredded. It's there. Yeah, he and doesn't look bad. I was like, wow, listen yeah, to this shit. Yeah, like, yeah. And the sad part is. Like Mike Tyson said, the social network has made it very comfortable for people to insult you while getting punched in their fucking face. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> and yeah. Mike, Mike said it, like, punch in your fucking face. Like, I'm looking at Mike like, yo, don't interview him. You might wreck your shit. But anyway, so, so like, this, and I would tell my mom and all that, that I met 50 and all that. And that was a big, I got the buzz in this market. It was like this buzz because they thought 50 was going to, like, bring me on. But one thing about 50, I can honestly say, he'll give you the tools to fish, but he's not going to fish for you. Yeah, for sure. That's not how it works. And, and then also, um, um, they wanted. I wanted to be in New York. I told them. I said, "Make me a promoter in New York. I'll be the best promoter you got." He said, "We got a thousand of you in New York." Right, right, right. Why not be here? Just be a big whale in Center County and say, "Yeah, yeah you and can I'm be the like, big fish in the little yeah. pond, or the little fish in the big pond." Uh, yeah, and I said, "That's a horrible idea." I'm already, you know, I've already been in this market, and this market is done, and all that other shit. But it just became me being here and being able. I got um, Keaton Patel, who owes me $1,500. If I swear to God, if I see him, it's going to be chitty, chitty, bang, bang. But I got him the Lloyd Banks. Um, I got him the Lloyd Banks situation at Mezzanine for 12005 That was a discounted rate. And I had to right. chase his ass around town, and I still couldn't catch him. I don't care if he, this is recorded. Anyway. <laughs> And then, like, other people I help, like, Penn State. Yeah, dodgy promoters, holy fuck. We've, there, have been, <laughs> there have been so many shows where we've been on the road and, like, for, like acts of God, like, weather or whatever prevents a lot of people from coming out if it's yeah. a tornado warning or whatever. Right. You show up, it's like, motherfucker, this, is, this contract says <laughs> this amount. Like, if you don't have, like, your kill fees and stuff like that in there, you, yeah. get, you get screwed. Or they just duck. They just, mm-hmm, like, mm-hmm. I got to get to the next venue. I got yeah. – Eight hours to Memphis. Like, I don't have time to uh, fucking hunt this guy down. I guess yeah. we're just eating our L on this yep, one. And yep, yep. We're out of here. And they that know. a lot, yeah. A lot of time it's a cash. Sometimes it's a cash grab for artists. You know, back in the day when 50 was first coming here, Violator sent me a quote. And I went to um, end the players with it. I said, it's $22,000 for 18 minutes. And they said, what is $22,000 for 18 minutes, Horace? I said, for 50 cents to be in this fucking club for 18 minutes, right, yeah. it's $22,000. And then to me, he said, who the fuck? I said, well, you don't want to pay it, I have to go elsewhere. I'm just like, you know what they said. Right, you right. know, it don't kill a messenger. Yeah, that's exactly right. And that's why that's a fucking phrase, because, like, you got to show up and say it, because you're like, this is what... And, and the thing is, it's not that it's unreasonable, because the place would have fucking packed oh, out. Oh, yeah, definitely. Anybody within a 
fucking tri-county, oh, yeah, not definitely. larger region, yeah. is going to travel here to just to get in the fucking club at the yeah, same Especially time. when he was, like, at his hottest at, at his 2000, peak, yeah. peak, 2003. He came back for the effing vodka tour, and I was also handing out mixtapes for the Canon tape for that. He was also signing out, you know, signing bottles of effing vodka. He's... A, He's out of effing vodka. He has a, a, um, a champagne right now. I can't pronounce it, but the champagne is doing very well. Um, BMF, um, Black Mafia uh, series on um, Stars is doing well. And also Power. He got so many different segments of that one show that's doing well for him. You got Power that had Ghost in it. You got the Kanan. Um, you got a whole bunch of stuff that um, I feel like it's a... It's a 50 cent universe is what he's created. Almost like the Stan Lee version, but the gangster version. It's a community. It. You have a community. to. What he's doing is smart in that regard. You're, yeah. you're, you're literally developing a community that is more – community seems small. Mm-hmm. When you're saying universe, that's really kind of what it is. It's mm-hmm. like we're – I mean we're, there's only, what, 8 billion people on this planet. So his goal is to make that community as large as possible right. to sustain – His people, brand and then his also – His brand, people he wants to bring up, right. himself, like exactly. all of it. So the picture you see me with on Facebook a lot was shot by the uh, the G Unit talent scout, and it's and, it, and that's the thing. As an entrepreneur, you almost pray that someone would adopt you, or pray that someone that really matters to you say you were talented. And that's right. what that's what G Unit and Fifty was for me because I'd be here getting shitted on all the time. Right, like, and by they people that shit don't on know. Me. By yeah, people that don't, don't know. know. Oh, your your production is horrible, Horace. It's just too. They don't have that. their credentials yeah. to understand yeah. whether or not yeah. it's good or bad in the first place. Good or bad, they make the judgment exactly. Call. But they yeah. make the judgment. Man, you just sitting there like, oh my shit is shit. You oh, know what I mean? suck. Okay, all okay, right. Okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. How how long we got? Oh, he just lost. You the one calling? You the shot caller in this whole? Oh thing. yeah, yeah. No, we're uh, yeah. We we got like a couple. But have- here's here's my last thing. I am trying to bring up Eminem. I need as much um, pressure on Bryce Jordan Center. I need as much pressure on Shady Records, Eminem, because number one, Eminem doesn't need this concert. He no, doesn't. For sure. doesn't give a fuck about this concert. doesn't give a fuck about coming to State College. But here's the thing. The way I've been trying to present it is, but how about we get some of your acts that you care about? Right, for sure. And and then now There's he's, no reason it has maybe, to be a fully self-serving on this side. Yeah, yeah. We only get you, you and then yeah, that's yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. We want to take- puppy, like, Right, yeah. We want to take care of him, too. Get a couple of his artists. Get, get that eyebrow up, like- some of my artists make it almost like a, a shady thing, and then maybe we can get him up here. But the thing is, Nas is hard to get up here too. Nas has said no to say calls a lot too, and I know that because I'm on the end of like Clear Channel Electric Factory concert multi music series, and these names keep coming up, and right. everyone's like, he's going to say no, he's going to say no, or what artists do that want to say no, they'll put up astronomical number in front of their name so that, to force you into a no. Yeah, to give you make you say no. It make you so say no. So they don't have to, yeah, yeah, for sure. But I mean, like, that's that's a shame because I feel like uh, I think he's writing some of the best music of his career right now. Right like, now, uh, right I, now, I'm, yeah. I'm really loving where he's going with everything, right. and I feel like he has had, a, you know, like, his stumbles along the way, but mm. I've, I've always been a fan, so for me, like, it's it's nice to watch the journey. Mm. From an outsider, like, I would never tell anybody to do, d- hey, do this different, that, mm. anything. I don't I don't have a critique on it. I just enjoy watching the process take place. Right. And I feel like he's so obviously inspired so many people that I know and mm. rappers that I know and mm. dudes in the rock realm. I mean, he, he signed 50 Cent, and that was the biggest thing that happened. When Eminem signed 50 Cent, no one wanted to touch him. And he had, like, a lot of people like Irv Gotti and a lot of other artists that he had beef with in New York. Remember, he said, I had to wait on a, uh, I had to wait on a, a, a Cali nigga and a fucking white boy from Detroit to get back into fucking New York. How mad do you think I'm going to be? 
You know what I mean? That's yeah, true. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he said, how bad do you think I'm going to be when I get back to New York? Yeah. And, and none of y'all niggas was playing, playing me. Him and Drama King always had like a good situation. R.I.P. Drama King. A lot of black men don't live past a certain, but that's another show. But um, <laughs> That's the, a whole the, other two hour, three hour, <laughs> six day segment. But this was fun, by the way. You gotta, we got to do like a part two to this, maybe something like that. I'm, I'm trying to get through. So the statistics say that you basically, of the millions of podcasts that start up, like 80% of them don't make it past three episodes. Okay. And then of the that additional 20%, they don't make it past 20 episodes. Okay. And so this, to this be is, in the top 5% of podcasts in the world, you really only got to get like 21 episodes in the can mm-hmm. and be consistent about it. And so my goal is through this, you know, through Collabor Die is to really just, I want to meet with artists and entrepreneurs. Like yesterday I had uh, Jason O from we've always, Zero. I'm sorry. We've always seen each other and it's always been like. like we're always yeah, at production. We're, we're always, always at events together. Me and you are always like. Yo, I want to fuck with you. I want to do what you're doing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We got to call. We're almost going to be at that point where it's going to be like, have your people call my people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just do it. Because I, I see the momentum between me and you. I really believe in you. I really believe in what you're doing. Got a great professional uh, staff over here. Um, <laughs> and and, and I, I, I see it. And I know it's going to happen. And, and, and I'm not stupid, too. I, I know there's people in this market where I don't want to be my enemy. You know what I mean? So it's, I'm smart enough. Sometimes you have to do that thing you were saying at the very beginning of all this. Sometimes you have to do it yourself. Like you mm. want to, sometimes it's not, I can do the production and I don't want to do it with other people because I have this vision. And if mm. I don't get to do it this way, it's not going to do well. I know that, et cetera. Right. But in this case, it's uh, more of a, you just got to fucking shut up and prove it. Mm. It's like, how much can I talk before it's got to be something that needs to be shown? Yeah. And so I think like, to me, uh, one of the things I had to adopt, one of the chips on my shoulder, like the, the armor I had to kind of bring look, on was- Look at my bling. Ah, now I'm officially a rapper type thing. Look, it's yeah. official. Yeah, y'all thought I ain't have it on me, right? Look at that. And it got diamonds. I got it from uh, uh, Confers. Shout out to Daniel. I got the bling. This is all white diamond, by the way. White diamond. Yeah, it's a pharaoh joint. It's a pharaoh piece. This is authentic pharaoh. You know what I mean? You got the rose gold right there. You know what I mean? Did you design it? All that, yeah. They did it. Yeah, it's all me. That's awesome, man. But to to your point, like, yeah, like, you're always going to have people telling you that your shit sucks, that this can't work here, that you shouldn't be doing this. That's why I don't do That's That's... There was something I was going to say that was going to be real insulting to you or you might have taken it away. <laughs> but no, I was at the, before I, w- I was at the uh, Nitty Line in Nitty Line in, I was working there as a temp. I was doing some banquet serving and they had their like young entrepreneurs at State College, Pennsylvania. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm looking at it like, oh shit, I'm about to see something I haven't seen before. These motherfuckers are like the bestest entrepreneurs State College got. Right. So I'm looking at it. I'm looking at it. They're, I'm looking at their marketing, so traditional. I'm looking at some of the stuff they're doing is so traditional, so 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 cookie cutter and bland. I'm like, there is no room for an entrepreneur like me in, in their whole group because right. some of my shit is edgy. Some of my shit gonna be like cursing or a, a graphic picture of two girls, you know, going down on each other, but not actually showing it. I mean, I'm a little wild with my shit, but it's like I feel like I have no home here. I feel like people like me, me and you having this camaraderie. You have to build it. This is like a, it, it's really field of dreams. Like if you build it, they will come and it will not fucking come unless you build it. Right. But I, so I want to, I want to tell you one story that plays off of that real quick and then we can wrap up. Yeah. Uh, one of my mentors, his name is Jeff Hoffman. Uh, he was telling me a story about uh, Eli Roth's film uh-huh. Cabin Fever. He, he produced it for him. He mm-hmm. like gave him the money to funding for it. Mm-hmm. And uh, when he wanted to do the advertising for it. So in light of doing these things that are maybe a little edgy and non-traditional marketing. Yeah. This is like post 9-11 and uh, he went around and he had these like cabin fever, like 
big bandages he was, they were putting up all over billboards all over New York. Mm-hmm. And so people thought it was like a terrorist attack. So it makes oh, the shit. news. So now for like a $2,000 summary offense for like uh, vandalism or whatever it was for all the, the places that they had had their street team go out and label all this stuff – they had basically acquired like a multi-million dollar marketing campaign out of it because it got all this news and attention. It was right. like, you know, you're going to catch cabin fever, like whatever mm, the tag was. was yeah. And, uh, and so, you know, there's not, everybody's going to see the, the, the benefit like, or the vision. Like you're the only one who has to have the vision. You're the you need to have the, yeah. yeah. You need to have the people that can help you execute, not question the decision. And, and really that's what it comes down to. Yeah. Like you're in a place where, if you've got the idea, your collaborative process doesn't start at the vision boarding side of it. It stops at the, okay, I've got the vision. Now we got to execute. I need legs to get yeah. this off the ground. And so that takes a different team. And one of Jeff Hoffman's quotes to me that is like really stuck with me ever since is like, you don't have to do everything. You don't mm-hmm. have to do everything well. Mm-hmm. You just got to do what you do mm-hmm. really fucking well and have it's the rest of it is team building. Yeah. And like, and, 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 when you can do it in a way where everybody can make money and you can keep them around and it's not just a passion project that mm. people are basically burning themselves out on. Right. You can do it, but it really takes, you know, a, a team around you to make, sharing the vision to get to where you want to be. Yeah. And it's hard to have that in this area because yeah, a lot of people right. don't get out of this area. Right. And if you're not going to New York and you're not going to LA and you're not going to Miami, you're not going to these places where you can see what, I mean, I've toured for years now. So like when you, I travel around the country, I'm like, don't tell me we can't have a really rock solid 250, 300, 500 cap venue in this area mm. or a thousand cap venue in this area that, mm. you know, so you don't, you're not stuck between playing a club downtown mm. and playing the Jordan center. It's right. Like, you got that is, in between. You, we need to have something. And it's like for all like, the, for all crowbar the, was that crowbar. It would have like uh kid rock and shit like, that. but for wanting to have the culture built here, they don't want to put the legwork in no, to make don't. it happen. And so we, people were like, when are you going to play here next? It's like, we don't play here very often because there's not, there's no support for it. And it's yeah, nobody's, right. that's nobody's fault except for, the borough and the culture in the area not being allowed to be in a position to like foster and grow so that you, I mean, I feel bad for kids in high school. Like I at least had my friends, we could all fuck around with instruments and Mm. sound like shit in a garage. Like you need to be able to do that before you can get to the part where you start to sound better. And now it's happening for a lot of artists on the solo side of things. I mean, look what you got to do to even be here. You got your soundproofing going on because you yeah. already know there's a noise ordinance waiting to shut this shit the fuck down if we were to get too loud. You and know I want I mean? it to sound good when we're in here. Yeah, like, yeah, you know, yeah. Like it I, sounds real professional. I think like, I like that. A lot, like easily 80% of what's going to make something I do good is not going to come from the way I polished it up at the end. It's going to be what I put into the, the upfront effort to make sure that it can mm-hmm. be raise the bar here. If I drop and I, I don't meet it, and I'm somewhere down here. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's fine. That's not a big deal. That's better than if I started with my mission trying to end up here and ended up fucking down here. Because there's always obstacles. There's always right. shit that pops up. There's yeah. always things that are going to keep you from getting there. You really just got to set the bar. And and so to your credit, I feel like one thing I've always felt about my observation of you as a friend in the area is I've always been like, yeah, you always set the bar high. And I'd rather. I like. I, I enjoy sitting back and watching what comes out of that, and mm. it takes somebody doing that in order for it to happen. Right, right. And I tagged you in a lot of shit. And real quick, I just want to say, go to www.thisfifty.com. You can hear a lot of uh, hip hop 
gossip, entertainment. Also, if you want to get any G-Unit 50 Cent shirts, the hottest shit, get on www.this50.com. I'm sorry I didn't talk about anything sensational, like when I was fucking the end zone dancer in the ass and fucking at doing radio station at the same time. That one is for the next show. That shit was hot, you know? I was like, hit CD1. All right, now hit CD2. Hit CD2! So it's like, you know, there's other things I have that can help you. I think you told the story. I think the story just got told. Yeah, man. I'm glad that you made it on, and uh, this is definitely fun. We'll have you on again. I'm, I'm going to try to, like, get through a calendar of these first 21 so I can, like, know that I've got that part of my vision board taken care of, and then uh, and then I'm just going to keep going. All right. Cool. Sounds good. Send me a link so I can send it to my team. Yeah, for sure. I'll get you social I'll, clips. I'll, I'll click 50 on it, too. Anything you got to say to 50 directly? Like, man. you think you tough? He's like, say, say, like, 50. I would never, never look at no. him. I watched him in the Super Bowl performance. I was like, if people think he's out of shape right now, there, that's people behind a fucking keyboard that aren't afraid to get fucking punched in the mouth because yeah. they know it's not going to happen. I would never, I, I back it. I think, like, that's a tough motherfucker through and through. Like, I do a collab with us. Let's, let's, uh, if you need a rock group, let's, uh, let's get, let's right. get together and do something with you that way. If you ever, if you ever need that rock flavor, you let us know. You want to rock backing band, hit us up. Like, all right. I, I just respect, like, to me, it's not about, like, you have to get to a point where you can respect somebody else's art without mm. feeling like it diminishes yours. Right. And that's a fucking real hard thing for a lot of people to get past and skirt past. Pride is a bitch. Yeah, pride pride sure. comes before the fall. So, all right, I see people standing up. I see camera people coming in. I see half naked <laughs> women. All right, so I guess this is over. <laughs> you know how he get down. That's Pharaoh, why I love it. Pharaoh, thanks for coming, brother. Right, Appreciate no having you on, man. All right. Thank you. always collaborating at all times with the universe. That is a wrap on another episode of the Collaborate Eye podcast. I hope you enjoyed listening to it as much as I enjoyed making this episode for you. And now it's time for our favorite part of the show, the part where I beg you to please hit that like button, subscribe, and turn on those notifications so you never miss an episode. Don't be that guy. Follow us on all your favorite podcast platforms like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. I want this podcast to be wherever you are, whenever you need it, just like a reliable wingman or a comforting bowl of mac and cheese. And don't be shy. Give us a shout out on social media at Collaborative Podcast on all the cool platforms to share your thoughts, your feedback, and your love. Until next time, Collaborative, baby. <laughs>